Like, his writing is so weird. And he, like, always, after the fact, would try to justify it as, like, uh, he was, he had, like, a, he had pangs of orthodox Russian conscience. Um, but then you, like, you reread the this, this stuff, and it's like, this is it. <laughs> this is a dogma. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you goof. Yeah. Oh, I feel the same way. All right. Let's do, let's jump in and read a, I mean, discuss a mother, the first of two short stories we'll discuss today. Why did you sigh? Yeah, I have nothing, I hope, I hope you have something to say about mother, because I have almost nothing to say. (laughs) This is one of the weakest stories to me. You know, I found it hard to discuss, I really found it hard to discuss Ivy Day in the committee room, not because it was bad or had nothing in it, but it was just hard to explain. Yeah. Without someone who hadn't read it, yeah, it's it's kind of. Uh, but I'll, I mean, it's, it, I, I I guess I think I think when 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 stories have a lot of dialogue, it's kind of like true. Uh, am I supposed to just like reread the dialogue? You know, right? But I mean, that's that a good point. Whole, like passages where they're just talking. That's a good point. Um, um, you know, I'll start off then. If you are not interested too much in going, I don't through think it. I have anything underlined in my <laughs> what. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've started underlining as a rule for just helping me with these podcasts to remember people's yeah. names and what actually happens and so forth. So I have a lot of things underlined. I can go over some of those things. But, yeah. you know, when I was remembering it, because I read this last week, the aftertaste in my head of this story, the aftertaste was one of, I laughed. So it was humorous, which is, I think, a nice reprieve from some of the other stories we've read. Uh, you know, there's been funny moments, but I don't know yeah, about you. At the end of this tragic. one, it's not. Yeah, lingering. Exactly. It wasn't horrifying. Well, I mean, that's, that's that's part of why I think that it's it's one of the weaker stories. It's it mm. it, it, it has like lower stakes. Yeah, I mean, stakes, but like lower like personal stakes. It has. <clears throat> uh, it doesn't feel as much. You know. Well, it's kind of a just resonant and touching and. It's sort of a an old school comedy setup where you have different clashing personalities, yeah. you know? Like you got the mother who's all serious yeah. and you got Mr. Holohan uh who's just happy go lucky almost, you know. Um let's talk about the setup. Yeah. Basically this lady Yeah, I would almost say I would almost say one of the pro like cause Joyce Joyce talked about some of the original stories he felt like uh anybody could have written them or somebody else could have written them just as well not maybe not anybody could have written them this feels a little bit like uh like a like a decent writer could write this i see what you're saying yeah Uh, as opposed to like a painful case or something Mm. um where it's like that's that's what that's a joyce story okay anyway no i agree with that i see what you're saying it's less personal it feels it feels less terrible it feels less personal to uh the writer it's almost less like weird it's less unique it's less um strange like we talk hmm. about literary strangeness yeah. that's true all the time it feels like a unstrange story <laughs> <laughs> um well, let's talk about the story um basically there's going to yeah, be a concert okay. okay and there's this mother who has a daughter that plays the piano and she Mm-hmm. is involved in this concert and helps uh, we need to talk about irish very nationalism but heavily she, involved yeah she's very heavily involved in getting organized and she gets a contract for her daughter and they go to the concerts to to accompany other artists who they um term artists yeah. <laughs> artists. artists all right so 
at least you can discuss your knowledge about Irish nationalism, which we've touched upon before. This story talks about yeah. it a lot, almost like it's uh, the backdrop to the whole story. You know, yeah, the the, the Celtic revival, mm-hmm. um, which included, I suppose, music, right? And um, yeah, yeah, and the Irish language. Ireland, there was there was a cultural. Um, there's just like a cultural thing in Ireland uh, that was very. We'll, we'll talk about this. Uh, there's a chapter in Ulysses that's very musical, and then all of Finnegan's Wake is a, like a long song, basically. Um, uh, so the, Joyce himself is very musical. He got like third place in a singing competition in one of the fairs, actually, that they talk that is mentioned uh, in one of the stories. That's he actually got third place in that contest um and there was just like kind of a a culture um remember that like 19 you know 1880 to 1900 this was like the very beginning of the leisure revolution so like uh and and poor people in ireland maybe had not experienced the leisure revolution yet you know like sports and bicycling and uh you know people having free time and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing that they could do was, you know, anybody can learn to sing. Um, he, uh, it was, you know, kind of like on the level of like, uh, you know, little, middle class kids getting piano lessons and stuff. Um, but kind of extended a lot, a lot longer. Um, into your twenties and thirties, you would still be singing and just, just like as a side, as like a hobby. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that more a super weirdos or something? Is that more for the women, kind of having a not no a thing to say? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, I mean, again, Joyce was a singer. That's that's um, a neat answer. You can kind of tell if you listen. And he won third place. You said in a contest. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he cool. got the bronze medal. Um, you can kind of tell whenever you uh, listen to any especially re- recordings of Finnegan's Wake again which is basically just a oh, musical wow. piece um but yeah there's there's like something very there's a brogue of course but like there's a there's a musicality to his how he reads um at least yeah uh recordings um which there aren't like super a lot of um but yeah this, this is kind of just a musical yeah musical culture Dublin. You know, I was trying to think of the theme that would connect this story with Grace, and there's not much similar except it stars yeah. middle-aged women who are married to husbands yeah. that they sort of accept by just accept, but don't you know? Uh, they talk about in this not a romantic pairing or something. Yeah, not a romantic pairing, and they sort of accept it as a feature of life that has to be. You know that they they appreciate yeah. sort of far off, like they appreciate a monument or something. And I wanted to read yeah. a sentence that uh, underlines that, where she says she or he says she respected her husband in the same way as she mm-hmm. respected the general post office. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that line. The GPO, yeah. She kind of has a... Uh, Which is like a very square squat building um, <laughs> in the yeah. center of Dublin. I was going to say, her husband's yeah. personality is pretty bland. You don't even meet him very much. Yeah. She's kind of in the background, and she just uses him as a husband. Like, like sort of that's a part anyone can play as long as they don't get drunk, you know, too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, Next well, time. you know what I mean. Acceptable to this yeah. lady, uh, and she appreciates his manliness. Sure, we'll see you and, next 
you know, like she's the one doing Mm -hmm. everything and she's proactive and she's the one who has a point of view and she invites him along if you want to jump to the end uh, where she's upset about not getting paid and she's kind of like happy to have him there, which he's totally pointless. She's there making a ruckus, (laughs) pushing everything, everybody around, trying to get her money and he's standing there doing nothing, supporting her, I'm sure. But I thought it was funny how she kind of has this uh, automatic uh, just... I, I got the sense that she would have an automatic deferral, like, what's the word? Not in actuality, but with her words to her husband, but in actuality, she's the one in charge, you know? D- yeah. In charge of the house. Um, yeah. Did you... Did she's you a little bit older. Did you take her side? Very great. Did you take her side or no? Uh, I think there was a misunderstanding. I don't know. There was a misunderstanding. There was a... Well... Difference of opinion about how so like important the concert which was. Isn't like super a lot of guineas. <laughs> well, and they would have um, paid her. I mean, it wasn't. I think there was a confusion about when she would get paid and so forth, and she wasn't satisfied right. with the concert. Um, and this kind and of this this uh, musical society seems to be a little bit poorly run. Per se. Yeah. So you would have to sympathize. She might not have gotten paid. I think you would have to empathize, I guess, I would say, with her personality type to like her at all. I mean, mm. nothing about her comes off as likable, except you can understand if you're, if you're a, an anal person and you're dealing with people who are not. Uh, I've seen that happen in yeah. my life, you know, and it's difficult to uh, have people like that work together because, you know, say la vie for some, one person, the other person's like pissed off when they, uh, without even... Right. You know, it's like so automatic to them to, to care if you're on time and another person couldn't care less. So that's the yeah. dynamic of the story. Speaking as the anal expulsive, uh, yeah, I can, I have to guess that, that, that the anal, anal retentive people's anger with me. You're an anal what now? Repulsive? Is that what you're expul- the, the opposite of anal retentive would be... Repulsive? Okay. You know. Because you're like, I see what you're saying. Um, that's that's very creative there, Nash. All right. As a, well, no, that's just Freud. Anal oh. retentive is oh. little little kids who gather up their shit. Yeah. <laughs> and play with their poop. Well, I can imagine what that word presents. means. Right, so that's from Freud, huh? Giving it as present. <laughs> yeah, anal retentive just comes from Freud. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm just using the word anal for no reason. Well, who's 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 also talking about babies? Uh, I guess yeah, anal. I mean, it, it means anus. Like, it's not... <laughs> who else would be talking about that shit? You learn That's something new every day, bro. That's fun. Okay. All right. Well, I agree with you about it being one of the lackluster stories, but well-written, kind yeah. of funny. I, I thought about it and I laughed because she leaves in a hurry and... Um, yeah. makes a ruckus yeah. and people are embarrassed for her and they talk about her after the fact about how you know the guy they were you know they would reassure him that he did the right thing and not paying her i thought that was kind of funny because it's like it's not that important i mean come on just pay yeah. her eight guineas that you agreed to let's move on um yeah it's not a lot of guineas <laughs> well, the virginia wolf collection is three guineas oh. and it's like supposed to be like not it's like not a lot of money so like a book would cost three guineas uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I, uh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't Something like that. To okay. too much about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to move on to Grace? Yeah, let's do it. 
Right off the bat, this story kind of smacked you in the face. Yes, with a dissent. Um, there's a kind of, I, I don't know if this is uh, canon, but the, the preface I'll give is that um, I kind of read this as like, like, a, like a, almost like a Dante, maybe not parody, um, but, but kind of like a, a loose riff um, with this first section, this descent into hell, this inferno that he, um, oh, what's his face, what's his name, Carney, uh, gets himself into falling down into the pit or, 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 you know, waking up in the pit of, uh, this grimy lavatory bathroom, <laughs> uh, in some bar. Um, hmm. so yeah, that, 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 I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, that's a kooky reading or something. Um, but yeah, there's three sections. This, the inferno, I guess, <laughs> the second half or the second chunk is kind of um, him like being uh, uh, just like sitting in bed, having some interminable, com- interminable conversation about Catholicism where no one's really that well informed. <laughs> They're talking about stuff that's like, I, I looked it up and was like, this is the this is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you would. I, I only made assumptions. I should have looked it up. Um, and then, yeah, the end is parody. So is uh, him being in the church. Um, but yeah, a, a loose riff on that um, is at least how, how I read it. Um, obviously, uh, Joyce is not going to be as, you know, reverently uh, concerned with, uh, you know, uh, or yeah, the, 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 the things that the, the priest says at the end are not, you know, uh, exactly shining beacons of, of, of church rhetoric. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a parenthesis of, uh, yeah, kind of like how, how I vibe with the story. That's good. So let's, let's, um, read a couple things from the first paragraph. Yeah. Um, I was going to read the part where it says that, well, the second sentence, he lay curled up in the, at the foot of the stairs down which he had fallen. They succeeded in turning him over. His hat had rolled a few yards away, and his clothes were smeared with the filth and ooze of the floor on which he had lain, face downwards. That was kind of disgusting to read. But it, yeah. like I said, it kind of slapped you in the face, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Almost like you were do- <laughs> like lulled into a uh, false uh, sense of security with the previous story. And it's just bites off a bit of your tongue, and Yeah, he bites off a bit of his tongue, and they're all being attentive to him. He's kind of knocked out, and there's a policeman coming. Um, People are giving him brandy and water, and uh, he finally wakes up. Waking him up. Um, And he says he's fine. His mouth is caked in blood. Yeah. He can barely talk. But he says, shy, he's nothing. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good interpretation. He has a funny way of talking. Very much obliged to you, (laughs) sir. Uh, But a buddy, a guy he used to work with, notices him. The aptly named Tom Power. Tom Tom Power. Power. And he takes him home to his wife, his long-suffering wife. Max Power, who was moved to America. That's a weird joke. (laughs) 
Um, so there's kind of an intervention. The whole crux of the story is this guy's a drunkard. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of fallen low. He's hanging out with these people who get drunk and so forth. And he's never home. Yeah, he's a businessman. And it's getting to the point where it's yeah, sort so, of like so. embarrassing. Yeah. Um, they talk about his descent, um, as opposed to Mr. Power is just coming into his ascent of his career. Prosperity, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There Power. was a line where they said that, I underlined it, I think, um, the arc of his social rise intersected the arc of his friend's decline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, you know, image of, of, of dissent for Mr. Carney. Uh, Kernan. Kernan or something like that, yeah. Um, Kernan. Kernan. Kernan's, uh, uh, by the way, Kernan's Protestant, or he was Protestant, and he had con- converted when he got married to his oh, right. wife. He seems like a but character, like a likable... He the of the church for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't taking it that seriously, it doesn't yeah, seem like. Um, no. But he seems like a likable character, but he has a problem with alcohol, right? So, But yeah. Miss Karen- Kiernan has kind of like suffered through this, and she's used to it after 25 years of marriage. Uh-huh. And there is that line that just slaps you in the face. Uh, after three weeks, she had found a wife's yeah. life irksome, and later on, when she was beginning to find it unbearable, she had become a mother. Oof. It's upsetting. Yeah. So we're that back to the stories she still that to look at brides, and whenever she hears wedding bells, mm-hmm. she uh, remembers fondly her wedding, if nothing else. This is another story where he's turning in the knife, kind of. You know, like you can tell he's just. Like, if you were Irish in this era and you were reading this story, I'm sure that would sting. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? This is, yeah, this is one of those ones where they wanted they wanted him to change stuff and he did not, uh, he waited them out. Her faith was bounded by her kitchen, but if she was put to it, she would have, she could also believe in the banshee and in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost sacrilegious. All right, so yeah. he is in bed, and like usual, she's the wife having to nurse him. Okay, well yeah. they have this conco- they have this plan they concocted. Mister Power and Mister Cunningham well, yeah. is, is the main wise His sage wife of these is also people. An yeah, so Mister Cunningham, let's introduce him. He's a friend of Mister Kernan. Uh, he was the very man for such a case. He was an elder colleague of Mr. Po- uh, Mr. Power. His own domestic life was not very happy. People had great sympathy for him, for it was known that he had married an unpresentable woman who was an incurable drunkard. Uh, all right, so he's this sage so guy who's had to deal with this. He was likened to Shakespeare. Yeah. Because his wife was... Which is, an, which is something to put a pin in for Ulysses, because... Uh, the marital woes of uh, of the bard are a recurring topic of conversation in that uh, piece. Well, remind me, did did he have? I, I mean, I remember Shakespeare had a baby out of wedlock and married the lady, right? But it was and so we don't really know if it was an unhappy marriage, do yeah. we? We're just assuming. Uh, well, 
I mean, we don't have, you know, Proof. literal records of him saying, I am unhappy in my in my marriage, but he did, like, write right. love poetry to other people okay. and never live with his wife, basically. Okay. Um, they got married when he was 20. By the time he was 28, he was living full-time in London and <clears throat> probably going back home two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they had children, uh, but... There, oh yeah, I don't want to give away things that are said in Ulysses. Um, if you read Nothing Like the Sun, the Anthony Burgess book, um, there are, he, he works on those aspersions too that, um, yeah, there was unhappiness in the, in the marriage. I mean, uh, it does seem like, I, I think, I think the, the original, like, wedding certificate that Shakespeare took out, um, I guess we don't know if this is an accident or on purpose. Um, he was trying to marry a lady named Anne, but with a different last name. <laughs> um, it's possible that like it was originally filled out incorrectly, um, but he, he had to take out another marriage license with Anne Hathaway, the 26-year-old mother of his child. Mm-hmm. Um so it doesn't seem like the marriage was entered into terribly happily. You have a damn good memory. If we connect the dots, it seems like Shakespeare was, you know, uh, uh, being a 20-year-old <laughs> and uh, happened to impregnate this woman. And she, of course, had like some, uh, the Ardennes were like a higher class family there's like you know uh noblish um and so yeah the implication could be that yeah her she had two of her older relatives in in in, in, in nothing like the sun two of her older relatives come and intimidate him you know like a shotgun wedding um we don't know that nothing like the sun is the novel based on shakespeare's life by anthony burgess right I just realized that yeah. it was a novel. Okay. Yeah. I need to read that. Uh, I mean, it's not that 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 isn't fact. You know, I got you. Suppositions are in fact, but I think the thing about him filling out the wedding certificate <clears> with a different <throat> name is we, again we don't know why. It could have again just been an accident, or I guess I don't know. <laughs> they did things by hand. It wasn't like the printer, the computer just put in the wrong name. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, right. that's one of those unsolvable mysteries, but yeah, it doesn't seem like they would have had a happy marriage. I mean, even the things we know aren't, you know, uh, super happy. Right. <laughs> like, oh, you see your wife a couple weeks a year. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, the dark lady and the guy he wrote all those poems to, uh, obviously took a larger part of his erotic imagination than his own. Never wrote poems about Anne Hathaway, as far as we know. <laughs> All right, well. Because there is like an older, younger thing going on there, but not explicitly to her. All right, well, that was all very interesting. Anyway. <laughs> his face looked like Shakespeare's, all <laughs> right? So, uh, listen, back to the, the wife. The hunting ground of... 
Yeah, yeah. Back to Mr. Kernan's wife, Miss Kernan. She had very few illusions left, Nash. Very few. Uh, religion <laughs> for her was a habit. So their plan basically is to, like you alluded to in the beginning, bring this guy back into the fold and uh, expose him mm-hmm. to the Catholic Church Within and therefore the have sort of a reformed soul who, before his death, can hopefully yeah. get stuff together, you know? That's the whole plan. And this guy, mm-hmm. Mr. Cunningham who looks like Shakespeare, whose wife is an alcoholic, is kind of considered someone who's up to this task of convincing him uh, that it's an important thing to do. So they all come to the house and visit the sick Mr. Kiernan. who's a little up, vigil yeah, who's while up, he's in bed. Who's up in his room in bed. On the mend um, two days later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, leave it to the Irish to be drinking... Stout beer and whiskey at an intervention. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to the intervention. I'd let me bring some whiskey. <laughs> I noticed that. Bring some nice whiskey. So I have, yeah, we can all a toast to your impending sobriety. <laughs> I, I, I really, I like the synonym where I'd never heard it before for being drunk. Uh, P-loathered. Have you ever heard that word? Mm. It happened that you were P-loathered, uh, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> True, yeah. Bill, said Mr. Cannon equally gravely. Mm. I suppose you squared the constable, Jack. Um, I don't want to get in the weeds, but I got a bit confused here when McCoy accused Mr. Powers of, I guess, bribing the constable. Yeah, we don't have to get yeah. into it. Mr. McCoy had recently made a crusade in search of Vallis's and Portman to enable Miss McCoy to fulfill imaginary engagements to the country. So I took that to mean he was getting excuses about what he'd been doing uh, for his wife to believe, for Mr. Powers to kind of be the witness. Is that what he meant? Yeah. And then this made Mr. Kernan kind of indignant, you know. Um, I thought that made Mr. Powers indignant. Mr. Powers indignant. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. there, so there's in, in other words, these men are none of them are perfect. I guess is what I'm saying. You know, yeah. some of them are arrogant. Some of them cheat on their wives or whatever. And this Cunningham guy, like you said, doesn't know what he's talking about really, but he has good intentions. But mm-hmm. that's not necessarily enough. Um, <laughs> and I, I, and I, yeah, I mean, they're all just like normal uh, guys. I mean, again, again, following the purgatory. Um, yeah, they're 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 kind of average, right. I guess maybe Mr. Power is the is the is Virgil leading him through. Or I guess no, Virgil doesn't lead him through all of them. Well, anyway, uh, Mr. Power is there for all of them. But yeah, these you know, Mr. Fogarty is like a normal grocer. He was unsuccessful as a spirit salesman. Um, and yeah, like I said, a lot of this conversation is just kind of. Uh, interminable incorrect things like the whole thing about like the different popes mottos like popes don't have mottos <laughs> like that's not something they can't remember the name of a german and they keep like going back and forth not remembering it doling or dowling or dowling um their heist von dolinger um yeah, they're tr- but they're trying to do well. It's basically like anyone else, and you know, 
you're doing your best here. You're, you're, you're there to help your friend. You don't yeah. want to. You don't want to look like an idiot. Um, and you're talking and then, yeah, about trying to talk up the Jesuits. And, yeah. Oh, hey, they are reasonable. <laughs> Never had to be reformed. Yeah, they want to take him. Let's be specific to a retreat with a with a uh, a father mm-hmm. Purden, who I, I suppose is a Jesuit, a Jesuit, and yeah. uh, he's a fine jolly fellow. And they kind of convince yeah. him that he's not a preachy preacher, that he's more of a fellow no. who just wants to talk to him, you know. And, uh, yeah, on their level. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of how they try to sell church these days, you know, where it's like, mm. I'm just a normal guy, you know. I'm just like you. I wear t-shirts, and I can relate to you. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so the retreat. The let, the world. Do you have any insights into retreats for Catholic people? I mean, is that normal? I guess <laughs> it's normal for everybody, right? Every every sect of religion, I assume. Um, it's kind um, of strange, almost that he's an adult male, maybe, or I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how much of a like when we think of a retreat as like a week long something where everyone goes. You kind of. I don't. I don't get the sense that they're, you know, getting ready to spend a week at you know some kids' camp. Um, I think retreat, as far as we see, it's just like an evening, okay, um, a okay. special evening for the businessmen. Um, yeah, it's for businessmen specifically, and I wanted to underline. I think I underlined where he says what they were going to do there. Which is something like make the pot clean. You know, they're going to basically confess their sins yeah. and uh, all do it together, you know. And they act like it's kind of funny how they act like they're going to do it without Mr. Kernan. That's their way of getting mm-hmm. him to want to go, you know, to exclude him initially. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? And like, oh, you know, nothing yeah. much. Just a retreat uh, to save our oh, souls. Wouldn't it be crazy? Would it be fun if you came? I just had this idea. Yeah, I was it's like, like we randomly know. thought of that you could come as well. And then, yeah, I'm not at that part, but he he has this thing where he's like his, um, you know, his ego made him dis- uh, resist that for a moment. I can't find the line, but yeah. you know, he has this perfunctory like, I don't need any intervention. Um, they're like little pangs. He, I mean, he likes to. He likes to take, like they say, take jabs back at Catholicism. And um, well, the weirdest one was the about the popes. The weird. Uh, does he take a jab about the popes? Yeah, he, he talks about the about, infallibility. Like, they all, yeah, um, they weren't all perfect. Where am I looking? Um, weren't some of the popes, of course, not our present man or his predecessor, but some of the old popes? Not exactly, you know, up to the knocker. Yeah. There was a silence. <laughs> yeah. I had forgotten, I guess, because I think I knew this at some point, um, that papal infallibility wasn't a doctrine until, like, the 1870s. Mm. Yeah, that was an interesting aside there, you know. And guess who suggested it? A freaking pope. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, I I was just thinking, what if I bread all the time? (laughs) Well, I'm not going to pretend to understand that. I mean, I know it's a specific aspect of the Pope, but yeah, it seems it seems very easy to uh, to mock here. You know, it's a very easy concept to make fun of because it just seems it just seems self-serving. Yeah. 
I mean, they talk, they talk about it, you know, kind of like if you've had a, you know, just like a conversation about like politics with, you know, just like normal friends who don't necessarily follow politics every day. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you, mm-hmm. you, yeah, just like, like, like borrowed or hand me down uh, kind of half confused things about like exactly his yeah. motto was lux and lux no or, it was lux and tem- tenebris like, but no, no but i mean don't have mottos <laughs> i can thing. relate this to religious people if you're around religious people especially if you're oh. in a group of them it's very similar where people are arguing about finer points of what you know, a lot of people in the room don't necessarily know a lot about. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to have an opinion, very often you're not going to know what you're talking about. That's just how life is, you know. So I can I can relate yeah. it directly to conversations. Although I feel like for, for at least for Protestants, it's a little bit less, like, personality-based. Right. That's what I mean by, like, the gossipy kind of, like, this guy versus this guy versus, mm-hmm. like, politics-y kind of, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's more general yeah i don't maybe it's more general Mm -hmm. unless life or death in protestantism um okay so i i wanted to bring up another criticism this dude has which is the candles he does not like the catholic candles he makes that very clear i thought that was so funny yeah he was like Mm -hmm. insistent that they would not have candles. magic lantern business Is that does that relate to the candles when you pray when they go light them? I mean, they were talking about using them to, I guess, symbolically declare to bring a candle. that they were kind of okay. I found it. They would uh, stand up with lighted candles in our hands and renew our baptismal vows. So I guess that's sort of a traditional symbol. I don't know. I guess it's a corollary to yeah. baptism for people who repent. And uh, Mister yeah. Kernan says, uh, "What?" Must I have a candle? No, damn it all. I draw the line there. I, I'll do the job right enough. I'll do the retreat business and confession and all that business. But no candles. No, damn it all. I bar the candles. Yeah. Wow, he was, like, pissed all of a sudden. He kind of, like, revved up. And they kind of laugh at him. But they're probably in their heads like, oh, wow. I don't know about this guy. Well, yes, we got to not bring candles. <laughs> we'll bring a candle for him. Um... Okay, so that's that last pang of anti uh, uh, enchanted mm. uh, Protestantism. <laughs> enchanted, <laughs> anti iconic. I don't know. What to, I don't know how to put it. Um. Yeah. Okay. So that's the middle part, I guess. If you were following your beginning analogy there, and now well, we're at well. So, so is your yours is is cut in three, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. I'm going to double check. I mean, yeah, that. so e- even if we're not saying, you know, Inferno, Purgatorio, Paradiso, it's still the third. It's still the third in the triad. Well, let me see. I, I'm trying to make double check that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There's a tab, but I, I didn't notice it as much because it starts off a new page. Yeah, so there's three parts in my oh, story. Oh, There's three parts. And we are on the third part. And this is where yeah. they attend uh, the church service. Yes, with Father Purden. Well, yeah, what did you think about his sermon? Uh, how we need to be friends with Mammon or friends of friends. Well, of that's Mammon. a quote from the Bible, right? So he gets up there and reads uh, a passage, 
as they do mm-hmm. at Mass. And he talks about how it's very difficult to understand this passage because it sounds like what they're saying is that the people who are Christians are going to be welcomed into heaven by people who are friends of mammon, of iniquity. Yeah. And that's confusing to read because you would think it would be the opposite. Um, yeah. All I right, mean, so- mammon is literally the name of a demon in hell in Paradise Lost. Uh, mammon is uh, not celebrated through most of the rest of the Bible. Yeah. Okay, so that is in the Bible, though. Mammon service. So let's let's assume that's in the Bible, and then let's. This is this is what the guy says. The the pastor. This is how he interprets it. Yeah. It was a text for businessmen and professional men. Uh, <laughs> you're already laughing. Jesus Christ, with his yeah. divine understanding of every cranny of our human nature, understood that all men were not called to be to the religious life. And by far, the vast majority were forced to live in the world, and to a certain extent, for the world. Um, And in this passage, in this sentence, he designed to give them a word of counsel, setting before them as exemplars in the religious life those very worshippers of mammon, who were of all men the least solicitous in matters religious. I guess, in other words, people who uh, live for mammon are good examples of loyal, like, people who... Are committed to something. Is that kind of his interpretation? Um, like a good example yeah, yeah. for how I mean, you should be committed to Jesus. Interpretation, yeah. as it would have to be. I think. Okay. Well, go ahead and um, tell me the meaning behind this 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 thing Joyce wrote. This paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear what you say. Um, well, I mean, as, as 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 like a parody of of the yeah. A parody of, of I mean, uh, like, like, kind of like what you were saying about like contemporary Christianity and its solicitousness towards, you know, the day, you know, daily life, business life, practical life. Um, Did I tell you this story? Kind of submission I to. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it reminded me of something yeah, where ahead. I got in big trouble. Uh, basically, I was shunned from this men's Bible study where I was trying to fit in. Uh. Okay, and I made the mistake of. Of being in a good mood and I went there and not to hate on them I mean they were nice people but they asked a question okay and I, I raised my opinion which was very relatable to this um, they said how is your life how is your life like Daniel's life Daniel in the Bible the guy who uh, was taken slave yeah. you know from his homeland into Babylon became a slave um, became um, a eunuch and then was in the lion's den, you know, and then in the fire or whatever. It's like, you know, I'm like, my life is nothing like his life, and I can't relate my life to his life. I don't think that's the point of reading the story. I think the point of the story is that it's a bigger thing than us. In other words, we're reading the story, and the way I read the Bible, it's it's just like with literature, it's above us. It's not something I sit there and relate to. I mean... Anyway, that reminds me of yeah. him relating this to the businessman. You know? it, should, it, 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 it can resonate with you yeah. by being much huger than you. Um, yeah, that's a good that's that's a good context of talking about talking about Jesus, the spiritual accountant, <laughs> <laughs> which is what he says. Um, yeah, that, that is searching for a God who is very small or very exactly the si- same size as these businessmen. Yeah, that's a good way of um, saying it. Yeah, uh, very easy to understand, but in the same way, useless to understand. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you're not understanding more than yourself. You're not being taken into some big mystery, um, which is which is Joyce. Even you know, in the the long term of his atheism, always thought that the world was bounded by mystery. That to live in the world is to be bounded by mystery. That any kind of realism um, would require, like, yeah, on, on the edge of everything is, is are these grand mysteries. Um, mm-hmm. whereas this kind of, this kind of relatable Catholicism is unmysterious. It's very, you know, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the light of, of 11 a.m. in your office. <laughs> it's very fluorescent lit. It's not incense. It's, um, or not lit by candles. Not yeah. lit by, by, I, I don't know if they burn incense in the state. I don't know if they, anyways, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not magic lanterns. It's, you know, uh, just just uh, guys who are, I guess, <laughs> tallying up their spiritual accounts to see what is it? Um, yeah, I have verified my accounts. I find all well. Or, well, I have looked into my accounts. I find this wrong and this wrong. But with God's grace, I will rectify this and this. I will set right my account. You know. Uh, I think another good point to laugh while making my spine shiver. <laughs> I think another thing to say is that these people are not these people who do that are not bad people trying to mislead people. I think they're trying to make uh, something relatable to someone, oh, like sure we said, well and they think, yeah, yeah they're well intentioned. That's kind of what I'm saying. Um, I like what you said about mystery. Instead of sort of presenting it and letting it inform you personally as a mystery, you know, however it meets you. Um, you have to sort of break it down, like into modern day stuff, and yeah. that that happens all the time. And I think it's a huge mistake because that's the opposite of what it is, you know. Mostly, yeah. I think there's some stuff that's practical advice that's literally written down, like love your neighbor as yourself or whatever, you know, that you can apply anywhere. But the question of this passage, I mean, I yeah, have no idea, like but it seems like a passage that you can't explain easily to someone. You'd have to work hard. Who's yeah. a business? It's yeah, be one page. Well. Yeah, I, but you you always bring more to the story than I bring, and it's very helpful. Um, no, because, you know, you could see someone reading this on a different level where they just accept it as sort of a funny sermon. So I like how you brought it to uh, a parody of of what Joyce probably had to endure, right? You know, and we can't forget that he was oh, a serious, yeah. a serious Jesuit, right? He was raised. He was raised. I mean, went to Jesuit school. He was raised telepatho. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I think he stepped into churches occasionally after he uh, his his exile to Europe. Um, but yeah, uh, he, yeah. It was, I mean, that, that that was like we were talking about. Like that was Aquinas and Dante. Uh, those were that was like his education. That was that's his foundation. Um, he could never not be in the in the you know on the shoulders right. or in the shade of those two. Mm-hmm. Did that inform how he worked? Do you think? Like, did that make him a disciplined writer in any way, or his upbringing? I wonder. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that just came know. to my mind. All it's, right. Yeah. Um. I mean, he, he definitely wasn't, like, lazy. Uh, too concerned about output. Uh, he certainly wasn't lazy. He wasn't lazy but about But he writing. also wasn't, like, anxious about, like, 
right. I need to have, you know, you know, 30 bucks out or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, well, he knew he was good. Put out four. Yeah, there's a difference between <laughs> knowing you're good and, and being a normal writer trying to make a living. Um, yeah, I mean, even at the beginning, he was he was thinking of himself in very elevated terms. Right. Always. Okay, okay. So next time we're gonna read the dead, and that will be our entire. That's it. Yeah. Can I ask you a couple of preliminary questions that don't give anything away? Okay. Okay. So is this is the dead? Wait, I know it was written kind of separately, and it was placed at the end on purpose. Is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it have characters from the previous stories in it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, it's just a totally separate story. I mean, there might be like names that come up. Again. Well, you know, I, so I don't think so. there are some instances like in the story about Grace. I don't remember which character, but it it mentioned this guy used to be like a soprano, and his wife was a something. You know, so there's like resonances of previous stories, and I just wondered if it culminated yeah. in anything. Um, I mean, it is like very much a culminating story, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, if I remember correctly. Does anyone die? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. <laughs>